Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I have Lacey Finn Borgo back on the show, and I am delighted to have her. Lacey is the author of Spiritual Conversations with Children, and All Will Be Well. She teaches and provides spiritual direction for the Renovare Institute and the Companioning Center. She especially loves meeting with children of Haven House, a transitional facility for families without homes. Lacey holds a Doctor of Ministry and Leadership in Spiritual Formation and a Certificate in Spiritual Direction from the Portland Seminary. Welcome back to the show, Lacey. It's so good to be with you again, Marla. (laughs) It's so nice to see you. And I have your new book right here that we're going to talk Mm -hmm. about today that Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about, and it is called Faith Like a Child embracing our lives as children of God. Mm-hmm. So everybody can see that who's on the YouTube channel. So Lacey, um, gosh, you've written, you know, a couple of great books and a children's book. Why did you decide to write this book? Mm. Well, um, my the first book um, that I wrote for IVP, Spiritual Conversations with Children, um, I noticed and hear from a lot of um, people in faith communities that they're always struggling to get um, adults to volunteer with children. So it's like this um, in, in worship communities kind of across the board are always like, okay, who wants to be with the children? And And even like worldwide, we have a little bit of kind of maybe more than a little bit deafness to children. And so I started wondering why. Why ha- why are we adults who make all these decisions and do all these things, why are we deaf to the needs of children? And I have this inkling that it's because we have not welcomed our own childhood self, that our own wounded our own woundedness um, has um, caused us to silo children. Um, in some ways, uh, away from us. We have lost some of that intimacy with our own childhood self, and so we projected um, upon the children in front of us. So this book came out of that wondering and desire. Yes. Well, I always like to talk on this show about, as adults, it's so important to experience that wonder and awe, you know, that we had as a child. Mm -hmm. And And I would like to begin with um, chapter two, Remembering Wonder, Redeeming Wounds. Mm -hmm. And I love the quote by Jan Porter. Always allow your childlike wonder, joy, gratitude, love, and laughter to serve as your own soul's toolkit for life's most difficult challenges. Can Mm -hmm. you um, talk about this chapter and just in, in the message? 
Sure. Well, um, I, I wander in, um, if we can overuse the W words, wander, wound. Um, <laughs> um, I wander into this, to this um, space um, with the inclination that our wounds are what keep us from wonder. Um, and our wounds are what keep us from joy. And somehow we, again, we've thought that they are different, so uh, that they aren't connected. So we take our woundedness on one side and this wonder and awe and mystery on the other side. And we think that these are two opposites. But what happens is when we can bring them together, um, then we find the healing for those childhood wounds. And um, sometimes even um, in our world today, some of the deepest things that we are struggling with, um, AI, where are those solutions going to come from? Wonder and imagination and playful engagement. Um, how do we engage our climate crisis uh, with wonder? We need our imagination. We need um, to have this sort of character that has repurposed innocence in it. Um, that is what we bring, not, not against our woundedness, but in cohesion with our woundedness, an answer to it. That makes so much sense. So can you give us an example of maybe when you've seen someone or maybe you yourself have, have seen that when someone is wounded and how that person or yourself brought the wonder and awe, and I would use curiosity, it doesn't start with W, but just <laughs> being curious about, about it also. Sure. Well, I, I could tell maybe a little bit of the story, some of the personal stories that I tell in the book. Sure. So um, I, um, I grew up in a family that was very conversant with death. So I have a sister who passed away when I was um, very young of the whooping cough. And um, it colored our family. It cast a shadow on our family. We didn't talk about her much, but I always had this sense growing up of death and then I'm I'm diagnosed I have a the breast cancer uh, gene genetic abnormality I am BRCA2 um, positive so I found out through a series of tests that I carry this genetic abnormality and have a sense of that th this is bringing my mortality kind of front and center and so I can choose to um, wall myself off from this woundedness of my family, um, both my own physical health, but also this death of my sister. And, um, or I can with wonder, which is the glorious process that I've been through, really so grace-filled, um, to welcome my own mortality to welcome my own wonderings about that shadow side. And, um, and through this, um, it's opened up some ways to be fully present in the moment, um, to experience awe in ways I hadn't really ever experienced, um, and to reattach and to welcome my own childlike playfulness, humor, um, just taking myself more lightly. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, it seems 
that in my journey, that fear, when when a person is wounded or or you know, thinking about well, your experience and my my experience. And it's because we're fearful. But if yeah. you can take that fear and bring into it, finding everything out about it and talking yes. to spiritual leaders and going with within and spending time with children and having those that wonder and awe, even though, like you said, people don't put those words together. But what, I mean, it certainly has brought me so much comfort in mm-hmm. just learning and the learning is what my wonder curiosity is what has brought that into play so how it it would so change someone's life and and you know i think we we think we have to say oh this is good if we welcome something but that's not necessarily true we can welcome or be hospitable to something that is horribly painful. Yes. For example, the death of my sister is not something I would say is good at all. And yet the experience itself was deeply human. And to welcome it, to make it hospitable, it is the opportunity to befriend that um, a whole experience of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with my personal account of my son passing, there is nothing good about that. But I'll say, and I have learned, however, so much that I now know to be true that about the afterlife and what happens and that I will see him again. Yes. And that's even as painful as it was and still is jumping into the sea of trauma and tragedy, but coming out with so much that has brought so much comfort and knowing and growth and growth to me. Yes. Wow. Well, not to get too deep. (laughs) We're both going to start crying. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, these Marla, you, you and I have talked about this so many times before. These are the things that are deeply human and deeply connecting this profundity that um, this horror, this horror and sorrow um, we can be hospitable to it as well. Mm -hmm. It's that place that is unexplainable, um, and it it helps us expand to hold so much more in this life. Yes, yes. Well, moving on, I would love to jump to chapter five, uh, and it's called the spirituality of play. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. How do you see where play and spirituality interweave? And how, quote, the spiritual practice of play frees frees us, not freezes, frees us for transformation. Yeah. 
Well, it 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 frees us in it freezes. Um, we're both on the snow cone um, train right now. Um, it frees us in many ways. It offers us the gift of freedom. I think um, I was I was thinking about your question um, beforehand. Like, what is the definition of play? I I I sort of chafe against any tidy definition of play. I think that goes against the definition of play. So. Yeah. <laughs> So true. <laughs> we, we have to set aside our tidiness and instead lean into play. Think about uh, in spirituality, play is kind of a co-creative process. Spirituality is co-creative. We are not invited. We are not being asked to give up our agency, but to combine it with divine agency and co-create. Um, play is inclusive. You know, when play is really healthy, we're inviting people, hey, come jump on the trampoline or hey, come. So spirit, uh, a play invites us to an, in, an inclusive spirituality. Um, play is both enjoyment um, and recreational. So we get our bodies in on it. We're moving, we're painting, or as my friend loves to do, which is very playful for her, create spreadsheets, um, <laughs> very, <laughs> very playful for her. And, um, it's imaginative. So it's this place where we take possibility and, and funnel it, um, into a place where we're not beholden to outcomes. So I think sometimes mm. what shuts down our spirituality is we have this compuls compulsive attachment to outcomes. So spirituality must be A plus B must give me C. But actually, no, a really healthy spirituality releases the outcomes, which is a byproduct of deep, deep trust and invites us to co-create um, a connection with the divine with each other with ourselves um for the good of the world yeah. mm -hmm. so my definition is well messy <laughs> <laughs> play is is messy and that's that's the way we like it so i have a question i did not send to you and mm. as i was reading you brooke as you know i wrote you and said that that we don't talk about really, this is not a religious podcast by any yep. means. It's a spirituality podcast, but mm -hmm. you talked a lot about God and about Jesus. I've thought about this a lot because what I'm, the question I'm getting ready to ask, because as I grew up, I noted that some, some people, if they hear the, that word Jesus just totally turn off, you know, then it's like a, a blank, blank stare, like yeah. uh, this conversation. I'm never going to list, listen to that podcast again. Right. 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 What I've learned and I grew up Christian, I'm married to a, a man who's Jewish. What I've learned through, I'll just talk about David McGinley, um, who was a, a Lutheran priest and very high up in the clergy and had a profound near death experience. And what he said because I asked him, how did it change your, you know, your outlook on, on your religion? And he said, it changed it tremendously. And he mm -hmm. said, Jesus isn't any less important in my path, but who he is from a historical standpoint and what he represents is so much different. So could you speak to, to that in terms of when you're with people that are not 
um, that don't believe Jesus is the son of God. Okay. Well, we're all brothers, mm-hmm. we're all sisters and brothers of mm-hmm. Sure, know, sure. Yeah, yeah. Children of God, I will say. Will you speak to that how you feel or you talk to those who don't believe the dogma of the Christian religion um, that many of us have grown up to hmm. to believe, maybe don't believe anymore, but could you address sure. that? Sure. Well, maybe I can address it in two ways. So the the first is that whoever I'm talking to or talking with, really, um, I'm I am listening for the movement of the divine in them. And if that movement has an attachment to Jesus, I can walk with them in that way. If it does not, I can walk with them wherever their divine um, or earthly attachments are. So I'm listening to that which is deeply, deeply life-giving to another. Um, even when I teach, I have a listening posture, really listening for and meeting um, the participants. Um, and I do call them participants because I invite people to share their own stories. Like we need all of our stories um, to uh, kind of open up the spectrum of, of God's lavish goodness to us to humanity and all of and all of the earth so that that's the first thing i'll say about that and in in terms of jesus jesus a couple of times in scripture calls himself the way he says i am the way so and um he also calls himself the son of son of man other people call him the son of god but he calls himself the son of man And I think those two pieces together, the way and the son of man, that Jesus in my, as I interact with Jesus, Jesus is saying, this is a way to live your human life abundantly. So saying to the children six different times in scripture, let the little children come to me and be like a child. If you want to enter into the kinship of God, be like a child advocating for women, um, calling the religious authorities on the carpet. This is a way to live. So for me, that's the Jesus element. And as I accompany people, I feel incredible honor to look and listen for the way that they have heard and followed faithfully. Oh, Lacey, I could listen to you forever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't. (laughs) You have such a way about you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for that. So you say in your book, you you talk about C.S. Lewis. Mm. And he called joy the serious <laughs> business of heaven. And this comes about also the fountain flowing deep and wide that you talk yes. about in your book. So tell us about what that's all about. Yeah. Well, I and and I joy does something for us that the only other thing that does something near to that is sorrow. So joy expands our capacity. And I don't mean happiness. I mean deep, deep joy. It expands our capacity. 
it melts our hardened categories. So we can have hardened categories about people, about places, about food. I mean, sit down at a table of food that you normally don't don't really love to eat, but the people there are filled with joy and you're going to eat the food. Um, you know, barring any major allergies, you're going <laughs> to eat the food because it melts in some ways. Joy melts our hardened categories. It opens us and stretches our capacity. And if if truly heaven is as um, the early um, uh, uh, Hebrew tradition said that heaven is the space between us and that we want to embody this space between us, we're going to need some capacity here. The problem is we're always kind of shrinking this capacity, but joy has the potential to really expand and melt these categories that we've put up um, to insulate ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's what that's what Lewis was talking about. Yeah. I mean, he, I think he loved a good cigar. Maybe that was part of it. <laughs> I think he, he I, I'm not sure, but I think he was a whiskey man. So maybe it was just some of those joys shared um, at the Eagle and the Child, his little place he liked to, to um, pub in Oxford with some dear, dear friends. Maybe that's what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would have liked to have been his friend. <laughs> I think I'd love to go be George McDonald's friend. Do you know George, George McDonald, who was a, a friend of C.S. Lewis, kind of like his mentor, but he, he was a universalist. He, he wrote some of the most wonderful children's mythology you have ever read. Um, yeah, at the back of the North Wind is about death and the princess and the goblin. Ooh, he's just fabulous. Wow. I will definitely have to, have look, to. At, look him up. So let's tell us the story about Luke in your book and his advice to imaginate. And this is um, before you do. This is a quote from the book. Young children use their imagination in the service of wonder, curiosity, exploration, and play. They can tap into the creative goodness woven within each person to work through problems and find solutions for the future. For children, imagination is common and glorious. So tell us a little bit about about Luke. I can't remember the story now, but I just, I put it in your, put it in my questions for you. Okay. So I, I think I know the one you're um, asking about. So we'll try it on and see how, okay, see if this good. is it. So I, I was at a season in my life where I just felt really sort of lost. Um, church had lost its, mm, for me, um, like its community, its welcome, its depth. And so I looked around our um, little church and thought, man, I need a mentor. And I saw this woman who had five adopted children. And at the time I had no children of my own. So I didn't think, oh, I could be a burden for her. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> now, now having grown two grown children, I'm like, mm. anyway, so I went to her and I said, I need a mentor. Um, any chance that you might be willing to do that? And she said, uh, yes, eventually she said yes. And she always brought her son with her to, to meet with us. And he would play outside and we would meet 
And she just took me through practices like meditation and prayer and celebration. It was just really lovely. Um, and he, he was playing, but overhearing some of my struggles one day. And he, he came back in um, to get a drink of water. And he said, Lacey, why don't you just imagine And he handed me his Beanie Babies. <laughs> and he had this huge, beautiful collection of Beanie Babies. Um, and um, he is he's is differently abled and um, so he brought me these beanie babies and he said just imagine if you basically said if you will just play out your struggle using your imagination in these beanie babies the solution will come to you when you're ready <sighs> and I was like oh hell <laughs> <laughs> from from the mouth wisdom from this child yeah from the babe yeah and I mean I've used that so many different times even with adults in spiritual direction a little shallow pail of sand some little wooden toys and just why don't you enter into your imagination at the service of our imagination is always serving something yeah people who say to me oh I don't have an imagination I say do you worry because that is your imagination at the service of your fear. Yes. Oh, and that that's, that always gets me right in the throat. Um, but our imagination kind of at the service of abundant life, now they have the opportunity in the sand with the little toys to play out their fear. And, you know, they're safe. They're with me. I'm not going to mock them because sometimes we have that fear about I'm being too childlike. No, it's safe here. And then the solution comes to them. The way forward, as Quakers say, the way opens. The way opens. Wow. So that must be so much of that must be what play therapy is all about. When Mm -hmm. I and I took my our son, we took our son to play therapy. And there were all those things to play with. And I I love how you use the term differently abled Mm. instead of disabled i'm assuming mm. you were saying mm. that's mm. Mm. yeah as wow. he is most definitely differently abled yes and he brought his wisdom and gave it so very freely to me Absolutely. Um, and when people come and sit with me in spiritual direction and they've they're having you know these spiritual um rumblings within them giving them a place to kind of with their imagination at the service of their life um play out this wondering that they may have about the divine about themselves it's a it's a wonderful place for Mm -hmm. um and it is so true about talking about fear all the things we imagine that will happen that could happen that might happen that didn't it's all imagination it's funny Mm -hmm. how western society has taken that word and turned it into just silliness yeah and, it, and it's not silliness Mm-mm. we use it all mm. the time yeah we, our imaginations are always at work yes if we're in if we're thinking past we're thinking forward our imagination is at work interesting so question in this mm. crazy busy technological world i was just for the listeners i was just telling Lacey, i was just at the telluride mountain film festival and there was a lot going on about AI and and chat GPT and and this and that um how can we 
I want to say, how can we help our children imagine? They're so good at good at it, <laughs> but how can we nourish it? And yes, yeah. Well, I maybe I want to be really concrete and also super gentle because parents in our day and age, man, we we. My next book has got to be on parenting regret. Because our mm. society heaps so much upon parents. So true. And we we need some gentleness to ourselves and and sort of welcome that we're often just doing about the best we can. And that's okay. <laughs> so yes. maybe I could just say to anyone who's watching or listening, first take a breath and say to yourself, I'm doing about the best I can and that's okay. Um, and then the second thing is um, to really... I think a couple things. One is go outside, really and seriously go outside. Nature, and that if you live in an urban area, that's fine. Find you a tiny bit of green space. All you need is one tree or a blade of grass. Um, take. I was taking a walk with a friend um, on a paved road recently, and she said to me, "There was a blade of grass like picking, poking up right through the middle of." the road and she and she said mother nature is saying oh no not here and uh we we can find uh nature in even in urban spaces so go go outside lay lay in your yard and look up at the clouds with your kids um whatever you need to do make that a priority Mm -hmm. um the second is to read some really great fairy tales yeah read some really good fiction um fiction helps to enliven our imagination and the reason i say read is so that um visual is wonderful as well although we i i think this is my opinion i think it taps down our imagination just a little bit so when we are able to visualize ourselves. Now we're really putting some fuel on that imagination fire. So find some books that you can lay out in the yard and read with the kids. Um, When you, yeah, any of those kinds of things I think are, and reading together, this act of reading aloud, we've sort of lost, but it's, it's, it's hugely connective and reinvigorates our childhood wonder. So magical. Maybe you could write a list of some suggestions and we could put that in the show notes. Of, oh, um, would you do to. that? Okay, great. One book. Have you read Valley of the Mist? Uh-uh. Oh, it is such a, it is such a wonderful children's book. And my daughter, it touched her so much. She's 24 and she just, she just created an art piece all about this Valley oh. of the Mist. And just briefly, it's about a community, basically a world that lives in this village at the bottom of the mountain. And there's mist everywhere, always, always, always. And the fear was that you can never go to the top of the mountain ever. Nobody, everybody had to stay exactly where they were, where this one little boy who was with his grandpa and he decided that he was going to run to the top of the mountain mm-hmm. after his grandpa had said something I can't remember. And he ran and ran and all the villagers were running after him and he ran and he ran and he got to the top of the mountain and the sun shining, 
the mist was gone. It was like at a whole new world looking out upon that. And it's just, it's so meaningful. I'll never, you know how those things just stick with you. Um, I'll never forget that book. I'm going to send that book to you. You're going to, you're going to love it. So another quote um, from your book, the lifeblood of creativity is wonder. And John O'Donohue writes, one of the reasons that we wonder is because we are limited. And that limitation is one of the great gateways of wonder. What what exactly does, um, can you elaborate on that? Mm. Yes. Um, certainty shuts down wonder. It just does. If we, and it's a, mm. it's a primarily kind of left brain math and sciences yes. posture where we have to have certain answers, certain formulas, but in wonder, curiosity opens up possibility. So even in those things that seem like they have tight boundaries, like algebra, <laughs> Where could we infuse curiosity? And I think that's what draws all of us so much to Einstein. He was able to hold some level of certainty with curiosity um, and let that sort of erupt into um, some wondrous effervescence um, as he thought about these cosmic um, ways that the universe moves. So what would so i think wonder is connected with curiosity how is your curiosity working do you, is your is your is your wonderer broken do you need to um, repair your wonderer where are those areas in your life that maybe could use some curiosity anytime you're stuck get curious um yeah, yeah i, I think that's so much it. sense how the certainty, it just squashes wonder. Mm. Mm. Wow. And I mean, there are certain things that we need certainty, right? Like the red light. Absolutely. I need to know certainly that no one else is driving. It's yes. crossing traffic. So it's really, it's discernment. Um, it's a bit of that dexterity to know. And then also, I mean, like, um, uh, you know, just for that metaphor, like we, an ambulance knows um, to run the red light. Mm -hmm. So we have, we have some, we have some flexibility around that certainty. It's such a great message for adults because for, especially once again, I will say in Western society, we want certainty to all, we want a hundred percent certainty. I don't know why, but everybody wants to be certain of everything. Mm -hmm. And it does, it just squashes that. That's that's really thought provoking. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, it may, it, it may, when we notice ourselves being certain, we might ask ourselves this question. Okay, what am I afraid of? And mm -hmm. be hospitable to your fear. Make your fear a cup of tea and give them a biscuit and ask, okay, why are you here? Right, right. Yeah. get curious with our fear. Yeah, interesting. Well, 
Lacey, so that is a little bit of a synopsis of your new book. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful book. Um, I don't know if I've ever asked you this before, but I know that, you know, some things in your childhood, including your sister um, passing, um, made things, you know, a, a difficult path sometimes. What would you say if you could take a walk with your seven-year-old self? Hmm. Ooh, what would I say if I could take a walk with your my seven-year-old self? I would say your gut is right. Do what it says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew some things at seven about nature and about the interconnectedness of all things that I'm only now coming back to in my 50s. But I knew them. You know, coming back to them, I'm like, oh, I knew that already. That's what I would tell her. Nice. Yeah. So would you like to add, before we wind this down, would you like to add anything else about your book or any little words of wisdom or anything? Maybe I would just invite um, folks to, one, just listen to their own childhood self. When you hear your childhood self um, react in fear or wonder or joy or sadness, um, just to be begin to practice hospitality. What would it look like for you to be hospitable to your childhood self? And second, um, go play mm-hmm. really and seriously what did you do when you were young that gave you deep joy bring that back into your everyday life well thank you so much Lacey. and once again if if people want to find you learn more about you where where would they go to gooddirtministries.org <laughs> I love that. I love that name. Great. Uh, So good to be with you. It's so great to be with you. And hopefully I'll see you in the mountains this summer. And yeah, please send along those, um, those suggestions of books. If if you have some, that would be really great. I love to. Okay. Well, thank you so Mm. much. Have a great day and hopefully I'll see you soon. Wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.